Hey, it's Frankie, the old model, but new and improved all over again. Well, with Marvelous and Zergos dealt with back in our original world, and no more wish scrolls to mess things up, we could all take a breath. But Karen straight up quit her job because Master Speck and even a visit from her sister Elacast couldn't calm her down. I guess we're not co-workers anymore. Does she still get to boss me around? Meanwhile, Flynn had a deep and meaningful with Cassie, Ido had a heart-to-heart -heart with Silver, and Murphy turned up to scold me and tell me I should be doing more. I think he's right. He also called me stupid, but I think he's just trying to motivate me, and I think it's working. And Master Speck has more up his sleeve than getting Karen unemployed. I wonder what he's up to. everybody and welcome to the terrible adventures of the Janison Breffitt's Parchment Company. My name is Penny D. I'm going to be your DM today and if I was going to vote for a puppet to be Prime Minister, I would pick, and this might be a controversial pick for the first one, but I would pick Pinocchio oh. because at least you know whether you can trust him or not. That would probably be my like base run is, let's let's be honest, this isn't a, this isn't a fresh take. Politicians don't always tell the truth, but at least with Pinocchio, we will know whether or not we can trust him. And that's my that's my pick for the puppet politician that I'll be voting for uh, this year. That is a good take, actually. I hadn't even thought about that. My name is Liz, and I play Karen, the Dwarven Barbarian. And I know it's kind of a standard pick, but I'd go with Kermit, because he's nice. Yeah. I mean, he's probably the most famous puppet. I'd go with Kermit, because he's nice, and... Do I want to see my politician sitting on a mossy log singing a nice song with a banjo? Yeah, absolutely, I do. What What and do you say to the uh, to the idea that um your your candidate is actually in the pocket of Miss Piggy? I don't think Miss Piggy is interested in politics. To be well, I think by voting for Kermit, you're voting for Miss Piggy. Yeah, wow. but <laughs> the only thing that she will want from politics is like having a nice ball once a month, and I could deal with that too. I would also like to have a nice fancy ball once a month. You have no idea how serious the world of puppet politics is. I don't. I barely know any pop puppets, to be fair. All right. Hi, I am Poppy. I play Ida for the Tiefling Rogue. Um, and I think I would vote for Basil Brush. Oh, man. <laughs> yes. Purely <laughs> because of how he goes, boom, boom. Like that. And it's, he, has, like, he gives very Boris Johnson vibes, which is terrible. <laughs> oh, no. It's awful. But... But it's hilarious. Like, <laughs> I I mean, you're voting for a Brit to run New Zealand, but okay, whatever. <laughs> what was this for New Zealand? Yeah. I mean, okay. technically, technically all the puppets are like American or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. So like. Yeah. You're voting, you're voting for, where's Pinocchio from? Italy? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm voting for an Italian liar to be the yeah. head of New Zealand because I could just tell when he's full of shit. <laughs> Well, in our fantasy world, this isn't too far-fetched to think that they could ex be ex um, imported as presidents. Yeah, of course. Possibly. <laughs> Do you have anything to back up your pick, Poppy? No, I just think he has a really nice little suit. He's <laughs> funny, 
and he's a freaking fox, man. That's adorable. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's fine, yeah. He is adorable. And if he's on our team, he's going to be crafty for the right reasons. Yeah. yeah. Hi, I'm Nathan. I play Flimbar, the Halfling Bard, and you're sometimes salesman. So I would actually pick Lady Penelope from Thunderbirds. Great pick. Great name. <laughs> yeah. I Not only just because I quite liked Thunderbirds as a kid, but she was <laughs> a really good uh, introduction and role model kind of for her time of like a mix of like, I can be hyper feminine and pursue my cool career as like a model, but also I'm a really cool secret agent on the side and it doesn't yeah. have to be one or the other. I can kick she ass always my in my nice pants, pink pants suit. Is this Ida you're talking about? <laughs> 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 no, fantastic choice though. Lady yeah, Penelope beautiful. is fantastic. And she have a little sidekick. What was his name? The like butler guy? Yes. Oh my gosh. What was his name? Crusoe. I'm Googling Crusoe. it now, lady. Yeah, I'm Googling <laughs> it as well. <laughs> I just remember the Sunday Brothers because Parker, yeah, there we go. And he was oh, first yeah. name is Aloysius, but I always it was just Parker, I'm pretty confident. <laughs> yeah, because he parks the car. Oh my god. <laughs> and he's nosy. I don't know if he's nosy. Oh, yeah, he was called Aloysius Nosy Parker. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) Um, I also like that Penelope was kind of introduced by the show people who were doing other shows before Thunderbirds because they were like, right, we've had pretty women. Let's have empowering women. So they were kind of like, actually, we don't have to. And she's pretty. And this Mm. was like back in the 60s. And she's got a a fantastic name. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. Hi, everyone. This is Stephanie, and I play Frankie the Human Artificer, everyone's favorite, you know, best friend. If you. You know, want to be his friend. That's cool. <laughs> My choice for prime minister, puppet prime minister, would have to be Lamb Chop the Lamb. Uh-huh. Um, Low-key, I think it's just because the song has a slub in it. I can't even say the word. Uh, like, message in it to say, vote for me. So, like, it's the song that never ends, which is a hit. Uh, and, you know, I can't get Lamb Chop off my mind. He's also adorable. He's a real cute little guy. I actually and do not really know tre- Lamb Chop. You don't know Imagine. Lamb Chop? I don't know Lamb Chop. I mean, oh. Lamb Chop, I, I've just Googled yeah. Lamb Chop. Lamb Chop is a six-year-old girl, very intuitive and very feisty. No, a combination of obstinacy and vulnerability. <laughs> you know how they say fools rush in where wise men fear to go? Well, Lamb Chop would rush in, then scream for help. <laughs> <laughs> That's a, quite a wild description. That's my president. I don't think she was a six-year-old girl. I feel like that's not <laughs> Lamb Chop, but also that represents Frankie quite quite well sometimes. I'd like to make an honorable mention uh, because no one picked a Sesame Street character. So it, I think we can all agree that whoever the prime minister is, we want our like head of finance to be the count because everything's going to be like legit and the books yeah. are going to be clean. Yeah. Are we all? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, we're all at least agreed on that. Yep, yep, yep. No, no, yep, no. Yep. The count is the, counter's the perfect minister of finance. Like Isn't the count dead? No. You, you can count to 10 multiple yeah, times. Yeah, you can count right. to 10 as many times as you want. <laughs> yeah. It's like, an, it's like an abacus, but in your brain. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but this isn't a uh, puppetry political podcast. Uh, this is a Dungeons and Dragons podcast. We are going to jump into our new arc, which is titled Our Last Hope. Oh. <laughs> How do we all feel about playing some Dungeons and Dragons today? Yeah, yes. okay. I love Super to play Dungeons and Dragons. So I know that I usually start these off with, uh, you know, a monologue about the seasons and the time and sort of setting the, you know, setting the mood. So uh, in the interest of that, you know, usual pattern, everybody roll for initiative. 
What? Oh, God. Okay. <laughs> oh my God. Excuse me? <laughs> Love it already. Well, I just got natural one just so he's a. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Karen rolled an 11. Frankie got an 8. Flynn got a 6. And then, Idafa, uh, you got a natural one? I did, yes. <laughs> I guess five. So, in the order of our initiative, Karen, can you please roll me a survival check to tell me where you are? I mean, I can try. Here we go. 16. Karen, you are on the rigging halfway up your ship towards the crow's nest uh, with a bunch of pirates climbing up after you. Oh my god. <laughs> oh, okay. What would you like to do? My ship? Yeah, on, on your on the ship that you are traveling on. Okay. Um. What would you like to do with your turn? I would like to scramble up further to see if I can get into the crow's nest. Cool. Roll me. Uh, that that feels athletics to me. Roll me an athletics check. I can do that for you. Nineteen. Ten plus nine. Karen, you've you've got like your uh your big double handed axe just in your teeth. As you are like <laughs> climbing with both hands just up this rigging as there's a bunch there's like four or five pirates like climbing up behind you. You make your way up to the crow's nest and you hop in and you survey the scene with these two ships just at like naval combat with one another. Awesome. As we end your turn, we're going to do a quick flashback. Oh. Six days ago in Ymir City, Idafa. You are on your way to Karen's house. You have a job to do, and Karen quit like like a few days ago. So uh, you're on your way to Karen's. Okay, yeah, cool. All right, I'm walking to Karen's. Da 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 da. da. Um, add in some footstep sound effects, please. <laughs> and I. So have you got a, a front porch, then, Karen? Yeah, I would say that Karen would probably be sitting on a swinging chair on her front porch. Um, she's just kind of looking out onto the street and she, you've never seen this before, Idafa, but she has a, uh, she has a smoking pipe and she's, um, she's, she's smoking on her smoking pipe. Karen, you, when, since when do you smoke? Oh, uh, <clears throat> uh, and she kind of puts it down kind of h tries to hide it away <laughs> under a, under a fluffy pillow that's on her that's on her swinging chair oh um well it's it's a bad habit from a previous life darling it's you okay you're to... very clearly stressed it's it's fine <laughs> don't smoke you. kids this is not this is not encouragement to smoke children who are listening to the show <laughs> karen kind of clears her throat and says yes well <clears throat> uh the past couple of days have uh kind of got me thinking about Oh, what I'm going to do next? Well, I have one suggestion. Uh, do you want to come on this next mission with us? Because I would really appreciate your help and leadership and uh, strength. And has, is that enough compliments? Are you going to come? <laughs> <laughs> Idafa, you know just what to say. I know. But I think it's important for me to... Come on this mission, yes. Recognise <laughs> that I will not be the leader and you will be the leader oh why <laughs> i think it's time you're a confident young man and i think you're ready for it and i think that janderson made the right decision in giving you this task as the leader okay cool well as the leader i'm i'm telling you that you're coming with us so okay um all you need we to do <laughs> mm -hmm. um and he like pulls out a 
a list of like equipment you'll need to bring with you. Mm. And um, it has the date and the time that you need to meet us and where to meet us. It's actually very organized. I'd have done a lot of work on this. Mm-hmm. And what will be my uh, my pay rate there? Because now I'm not an employee. I am, in fact, a contractor. And instead of, <laughs> instead of coming up with um, economic decisions, I'm going to flashback uh, to the present. <laughs> Thank you. Much appreciated. Frankie, it's your turn. Why don't you roll me a survival check to tell me exactly where you are? Oh, no, not Frankie and survival. <laughs> Frankie's a smart boy, but he's not very wise. Survival. Six plus one, seven. Ooh. Frankie, you are on the pirate ship. Oh. You are below deck with the hostages, and you're yeah. currently tied up. The hostages? <laughs> That's about right. Tied up, huh? <laughs> what would you like to do with your turn? Could I use my turn to instruct Hans to try and untie the rope. Nice. Yeah, sure. Does Hans have any tools that would cut the rope or is he going for like a sleight of hand check to untie it? A sleight of hand check because he does not have tools. Okay. So surrounded by a bunch of scared people below deck on this pirate ship, the floor is moving as the as the water, you know, shoves the boat around and the, there's drips coming from above you as the waves are like splashing onto the deck, which are dripping down into the hold that you're in. And you're surrounded by a bunch of like regular ass people who are just very scared. Go ahead and to paint me a little picture of how you get Hans to do this. So Hans is, usually sits in my inside coat jack pocket. So what Frankie would do is just like tuck his head awkwardly into the pocket, like into the inside of the jacket, completely looking a fool, but Frankie's not really thinking about that. And he's just like, Hans, I need you to untie these ropes, but be really sneaky quiet about it and and frankie will just try and help him out of the pocket using his mouth i'm imagining hans like unfolding from being like almost flat in your breast pocket and then like the baby part of him kind of inflates a little bit like a like a, a mattress that you're taking yeah. out of the plastic for the first time mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> that's exactly how i was thinking it and and, and frankie just like that's kind of helps him out using his like mouth and you know he's got <laughs> that little bit of like hair on the top of his head and he's just like trying to you know Pull him out with his teeth. Okay. Roll me a sleight of hand check for Hans to untie your hands. Hans only has a plus two. So that would be 12 plus two. Uh, 14. Yeah. Hans, like, you know, beeps and boops and sort of, like, drives around uh, behind you. He drives over, like, an old man's leg who's like, ow. And you're like, whatever. Just, like... We're, we're dealing with something bigger than that right now. And he, he drives around and he sees the ropes and then a little question mark appears above his head and then he gets to work uh, and manages to untie your hands. Okay, thank you. Nice. Great. Frankie, it is seven days ago and it is five minutes after you had your conversation with Murphy. You left your house. Where are you going? Frankie is going to find Idafer. Where exactly are you going to go look for him? He's going to start by his house, uh, like head towards his house, but, you know, keeping an eye out on the streets, you know, on the way, just in case he's there. But his main focus is Ido must be at home. What's going through Frankie's head right now? Uh, Frankie is just thinking about, he's got something real important to say Ido, uh, and he's just trying to rehearse it in his head, trying to put the words in the right order, 
trying to you know make it sound cool but not desperate but then you know he's he's doesn't have that confidence but he's then he kind of does so he that's what's going through he's like no that sounds stupid no uh i oh no so yeah he's he's thinking a lot of words and thoughts frankie you're walking north through the districts Idafa, you live in the uh, in the east district, is that right? Probably yes. Yeah, you don't live in the, you don't live in the north district where no, all the like rich rich people. Yeah, so uh, Frankie, you head northeast, and you're like muttering to yourself, and then like you do a little dance trying to like get your charm up. People are looking at you, but you are choosing to ignore that, yeah. and you make it to Idafa's front door. Okay, so because Frankie's kind of hyped himself up. Uh, he doesn't want that momentum to sort of stop. So he kind of just like runs up to the door and like opens it. Mm-hmm. And he's like, Idol! He's uh, 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 oh, wait, sorry. And then he closes it and then knocks. Uh, yeah, after a few minutes, the door opens and you see Idafa's dad, Bolo. He's cradling his cat in like a baby carry. <laughs> baby. He's got one of those like slings. Yeah. <laughs> and he, he looks up and he says, oh, uh, hello, Frankie. What can I do for you? Uh, I'm really sorry to uh, uh, interrupt your cat cuddling session, uh, but it's, it's, it's really important. Uh, is Ido here? Can I speak to him? Uh, I'm sorry, Frankie. Um, Ido left not that long ago. He said he was on his way to the palace for some reason. Would you would you like to wait, or do you want to go and find him there? Thank you. I'll, I'll I'll go there. And he goes to walk away. And then he turns back and he, you know, pats the cat gently on the head. He's like, a "Beautiful cat. Uh, thank you for your time." And he's then so he so is. Yeah. <laughs> back to the present, Flinva. Would you please roll me a survival check to tell me where you are? Eighteen. You are on the deck. Of the ship that you were traveling on. So you're you're below Karen. Karen's up in the crow's nest. You're on the main deck and you're surrounded by four pirates who all have swords, cutlasses drawn, and they're all pointed at you. What would you like to do with your turn? Do I have Welby with me? Yes, you do. Welby mm-hmm. is back. He is misbehaving and he is everyone's cute little bestie. Yes, Welby. Oh, I missed him. So I'm going to... They're obviously attacking me, right? This is obviously not yeah. normal. Yeah, yeah, this is oh. this is a this is a pirate boarding you boarding your ship, stealing your guys kind of session. <laughs> I'm going to cast fear at them actually. Straight off the bat, I'm just gonna be like, I'm not scared, you're scared. Cool. So fear is a cone. Uh so you would be able to hit maximum two of them because they are surrounding you. Uh but you can feel free. Uh I need to roll some saving throws, is that right? Yes, as a wisdom save. Okay, what am I aiming for? Uh, mine's 17. I rolled uh, an 8 and a 16. So two of those pirates uh, are going to turn around and flee and just jump off the side of the ship uh, into the water in between the two ships. Cool. Is there anything else you'd like to do with your turn, Flynn? Flynn goes, and that's the beginning. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, and... Welby uh, pokes his little head out from underneath your hat and like bears his very very tiny little teeth at the remaining pirates who are uh, trying to uh, trying to force you onto the pirate ship. Mm-hmm. And hey, look at that! We're gonna do another flashback. <laughs> mm-hmm. Four days ago, in Yumea City, uh, let's say for the sake of variation that we're at Flynn's house, uh, we're at Flynn's like pool house uh, at his parents' estate. Flynn and Karen, you guys have gotten together to sort of do some logistics and planning uh, for the journey ahead. Well, 
I suppose we could go past uh, Lake Stinriel and Lake Fladur, but Barry's been up there recently uh, doing prospecting, and he says that uh, it's been it's got some uh, troubles up there with the locals that I don't know if we'd want to involve ourselves in. What do you think? Yeah, this is a bit of a trying time, and I'm not going to lie, every time we've kind of left the city, something dramatic has happened, so I really want to take the quickest way possible. Sure. I know I had some contacts that I've been sending correspondence to in First Hearth, which is kind of on the way to the port city, Gilliport, and if we take a boat, then I think we could reduce the risk of nonsense that we might have, and also, the last time we were in a carriage, like, well, a nice carriage, it was to a funeral, so I'd rather not be in a carriage for too long, <laughs> if we can help it. Got some bad memories of, of the carriage as well. I mean, I, I never even thought about the coastline. I, I think you might be right there, actually. Um, first half, first half. I don't know much about that town. I've never been there before. Is it, is it, is it? Uh, Karen, roll me a history check. I will roll your history check. <laughs> That's a 15. First half is the halfway point between the port and the city. Uh, and it's it's a high traffic area and it tends to be a uh, nice little stopover between people who are traveling to Ymir City or traveling to Galaport, as well as for all of the supplies that come in via sea. It's one of the bigger towns in Ymirsa other than Ymir City and it's quite well known as being a hub of um, commerce and activity. Well, no wonder uh, Flynn has some contacts there. Mm. Yeah, a actually, I think that um, I think that you're probably uh, right. Uh, do you know anything about boats? I don't. I'm I'm going to uh, say something that I haven't really told anyone before, Flynnvar. It's that I've never been on a tall ship before. Oh, dwarves generally not known for their tall ship sailing. Have you? Uh, well. Yes. I would say, do you get motion sick in a carriage, perchance? Uh, no, not really, no. Well, that's good, that's good. Okay. Because, apart from the awkwardness of having to walk up a gangplank, boats are pretty good once you're on them, but they constantly move with the water, so if you get a little bit of motion sickness, it's not best experience. But you still get your, your sea legs, and it won't take us long, so... Okay, well... Yeah. Just fortify yourself with some smelly dwarf trees, I guess. <laughs> Tales from your soldiering days, then. <laughs> okay, I'm convinced. Let's go talk to Frankie and Idafer about this. What? What's the worst that can happen? And back to the prison, on that note. <laughs> Idafer, it is your turn. Why don't you go ahead and roll me a survival check? Okay. That is pretty good. Um, <gasps> that is a 20. And not natural, but yeah. Uh, that is very good. Idafer, you are on the deck of the pirate ship. So you've crossed over from the ferry to the pirate ship. You are on the main deck and you are engaged in sword combat with the pirate captain. Oh, I do love a bit of sword play. Come at me, king. <laughs> <laughs> Paint me a little picture and tell me, uh, tell me about what's happening right now. Okay. It's very um, Peter Pan versus Captain Hook. <laughs> And I'm just like completely owning that, just being like a real little rat bag because I'm so dexterous. So I'm like jumping around and like dodging him and flipping my, because I'm using my um my rapier, my commands back up. So it's very like delicate, but also uh, it looks great in my head. Amazing. <laughs> the pirate captain is very ugly. He's missing a lot of teeth. 
Um, he's got like not a good beard, but like a real scraggly beard. And even his bandana is like not a cool color. So like overall, boo, bad pirate captain. Boo. Go ahead <laughs> and tell me what you want to do to take your turn. What do you want to do with your action? All right. Um, I would like to. He's a slaver, and he kidnapped Frankie. Kill him. Yeah, pretty much. Um, are there any? Are there? Is there anyone else near us, like around us? Uh, there's quite a lot going on. Uh, so there's quite there's there's probably four or five other pirates on the ship, although they're not part of the combat, sort of the one-on-one combat that you're involved with. You know for a fact that Frankie and the hostages are below deck, um, and then there's a few guys who are assaulting your ship as well. How did you get over here? How did you get from the other... Did you, like, let yourself be taken and then break out, or did you swing over on a rope? What was your... um? Yeah, it was very much swing over on a rope. Okay. Like, <laughs> classic pirate <laughs> stuff. Okay, uh, so go ahead and uh, take your action against the pirate captain. Cool, all right. Well, I'm going to use my bonus action to use steady aim. So I give myself advantage on my next attack as long as I don't move. Okay. I'm not going to move. Um, so I'm going to just like slice him with my commands back up and also use cool. sneak Go attack. ahead and roll me an attack roll. All right. So that is... Oh, yikes. Um, that's a... Fifteen. Unfortunately, that is not going to be a hit. Uh, he no. carries you with his sword. Oh wait, wait, wait! I get advantage. Oh yeah, go roll again. All right, one Ooh. second. Thank God. So Come on. <laughs> Come on. That was worse. That was a natural one. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Thank God, Frankie can't see this. You're coming at him real cocky. You've got your sword like relaxed and like touching the ground and you like run forward and do uh, like a fences lunge. Um, And he manages to use his cutlass uh, to deflect it and kind of swing around. You haven't lost your sword, but he's like right up close to you now and you can like, his breath is just real bad. Like he is not a pleasant person to be standing near. Uh, You still have a bonus action, but you can't move. No, I've used my bonus action for steady aim. Idefer. Yes? It is approximately 25 minutes ago. Okay. <laughs> you and Flynn are aboard the ferry ship that, that you decided to take together, and you're having a cup of tea with Moshi, who you met by coincidence here on the boat. What are you doing around these parts anyway, man? Moshi pours some tea, uh, pours some hot water uh, into some teacups that he has prepared, and uh, does a deep inhale before handing the cups over to you and Flynn. And he says, uh, uh-huh. I am simply traveling, seeing the world, and trying to uh, expand my horizons, as it were. Very cool, very cool. I can appreciate that. Um, yeah, it's like where you headed off to right now, or are you just kind of going with the wind? Uh, I think I would like to travel uh, through the Manafei Forest uh, toward the Uld Chasm. Uh, to see what is down in the Underdark. Ooh. Oh, very brave. Dang. Okay. Yes. Have you been to the Underdark before? or? No, it is a new experience, or, although I have a uh, an old friend uh, who is from there. <laughs> Me too. All right, well, so sorry, we're on the ship and he's traveling with us for a bit. Yeah, you've been traveling for, uh, like, so at this point... You know, you've left the city, you've traveled across First Hearth to Galaport, you've grabbed your ship, um, and you are most of the way uh, north to Black Moon Bay. You're just traveling on your ferry together. Um, it's been a mostly pleasant journey. 
and just to check, so you said it was me and Flynn having tea with him, but are Karen and Frankie on the boat as well? Yes, they are both here, but they're just not here in the room with you. Oh, okay, sweet as. Maybe having afternoon tea with sticky cheese. <laughs> Karen is on the deck of the ferry battling um, a minor case of seasickness, because it uh-huh. turns out she does get seasick. <laughs> I say, <laughs> Flynn, do you want to say something? Because I've been taking up this whole conversation. He is very carefully holding his teacup with both hands and carefully bringing it to his face, sipping, and then bringing it down again. You notice that, like, kind of like a gecko, uh, Welby, like, sneaks down from under your hat and uh, flicks his tongue into the cup to see what you've got. And uh, and once he realizes it's hot and bitter, he does not like it, so he uh, flings back up underneath your hat. <laughs> Moshi seems uh, delighted to have run into you again after so long. Uh, because he's not seen you since your first days as an adventurer, as far yeah. as he remembers. Yes. Flynn's like, it's been a while since we've seen you, like you said. Are you are you surprised at how we are and maybe that we're alive? I mean, that <laughs> depends. Have you shared with him in this conversation that you have magic and that you go on adventures? Um, no, but I'd say we look different, right? And yeah. Welby just literally came and drank from my cup, so there's obviously... Oh, I assumed that he would be invisible when he did that, but if you if he was visible, uh, then Moshi would have watched that with some amusement, uh, be sipping his tea, he's sitting cross-legged uh, on the ground, in the cabin of the ship, and he smiles and he says, uh, Ah, I can see you have experienced a lot of growth, and you have gained new wisdoms, uh, but as for whether I am surprised you are still alive, and his eyes kind of flick between the two of you for a moment, and he's clearly not saying something. Uh, and then he smiles and says, no, I am not surprised at all. Uh, it seems like today was fated for us to meet once again. Oh, great seeing you again. Anyway, have you talked, had a chat to Karen and Frankie? I'm sure they'd be down for a chin wag. Uh, and as you ask that question from above deck, you hear someone in the crow's net shout, black flag, pirates. Oh, no. Sorry, Moshi. I am back to the present. (laughs) It is Moshi's turn. Uh, Would someone like to roll me a... uh, Would someone like to roll me a survival check to find out where Moshi is? Yeah, sure. I'll do that. He has plus three uh, for his survival survival modifier. Okay. Moshi rolled a 15. Uh, Yeah, so Moshi uh, is... uh, What have I got left? This one's too low. So, by the way, rolling less than a seven was being in the water in between the ships, which oh, none of no. you guys rolled. Oh, my uh, God. So I'll give him what's left. Uh, Moshi is below deck on the main ship uh, with the cannons, like uh, below deck. And so he is having a lot of fun. Uh, he loads up some cannons uh, and uses his sword to, like, spark all of the uh, of the wicks of the cannons. And so, like, boom. Boom, boom, like cannonballs just hurl across uh, from the ferry ship towards the pirate ship. Uh, One of them, like, hits really close to where you and Idafer is. Uh, Frankie below deck, one of them, like, pierces the side of the ship and creates a big hole. And the third one like hits the uh, hits the mast and creates a big uh, a big like chunk ripped out of the mast. And then Moshi uh, giggles like he laughs, <laughs> uh, and he sort of runs up uh, towards the stairs up to the main deck. What a rap scallion! <laughs> no, he's he's a little <laughs> rascal, isn't he? Yeah. Uh, so I'm gonna take the uh, I'm gonna take the uh, everybody else's turns now. Uh, so the pirate lord is gonna make an attack against you, Idafer. Yeah, bet he is. 
so he's going to use sea legs. He has advantage on um, attacks while he's on a waterborne vehicle. So he's going to uh, go ahead and make a sword attack against you. Plus five. That unfortunately is only going to be a 13. So uh, he swings his sword back at you. And despite the fact that he's much more used to fighting on a boat, I'm going to say you catch the sword uh, with your offhand, which is your sickle, um, that hook-shaped weapon that you have. um, And you uh, deflect his blow as well. You fool. (laughs) Next up is going to be the pirates who are on the home ship. Flinvar, one of them is going to make a grapple check against you. So can you please make me either an athletics or a acrobatics check? You need to beat a 18. Um, Just for funsies, because you've called it a fairy boat that we're on, eh? (laughs) Yeah, like F-E-R-R-Y, not like... F-A-I-R-Y, yeah. Can we just, um, to make it very easy when we're talking about the ships, can we just call it the Going Fairy? <laughs> okay, oh, sure, we'll call it the Going Fairy. Okay, we'll call it the Going Fairy. <laughs> I don't get the reference. But that's, that's okay, darling. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not no one explains yet. it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, 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 it's a one piece. piece. Yeah. It's a one piece oh, okay. reference. If you know, you know. Flinvar, what did you get for your uh, acrobatics check, your grapple check? 18. So meets beats, but unfortunately, because the pirate is the one making the check, he's the one who meets beats. So he's going to, uh, one of the pirates is going to grab you like around your arms and hold your arms behind his back. uh, And the remaining pirate is going to go for a sword attack against you. Um, So... Uh, and has an opportunity attack. So opportunity attack wouldn't work like that unless Welby had the sentinel feet. Ah, he doesn't. Uh, That is going to be a 15 to hit. What is your AC? My AC is... 15 plus 1, so 16. Oh, wow. Okay, so that wish really came in handy. Um, He swings his sword, and just without really thinking, you kind of jump, and because you're so much shorter, like, the guy holding you has to, like, really, really squat down to, like, be holding you, because he's just, like, a regular-sized human. You jump, and the guy falls forwards, because he's partially leaning leaning on you, Um, so uh, he doesn't... The pirate who thought that he had, you know, a perfect opening to sword cut you uh, does not managed to do so um and the remaining two pirates who are on the going ferry are uh have jumped into the ocean so you are now good nice billy billies <laughs> karen the pirates who are on behind you on the rigging are going to attempt to climb up into the crow's nest uh to get you i'm going to roll athletics checks for all of them just to see um it is going to be, so everyone that gets higher than a 15, uh, they mm. will have plus one to their athletics. It's going to make it up into the crow's nest with you. Mm. Uh, that is two that got uh, 15 yep. or higher. So two of them jump into the crow's nest with you. Uh, and one of them is going to make a grapple check against you. So go ahead and roll athletics or acrobatics. Okay. You need to beat a natural 20. Oh, no. Oh, jeez. Okay. Which will be a 20. So if you could beat 21. <laughs> That's 12. Okay, so one of the one of the pirates, you are like really not used to being on a ship, and you don't have rage active because this all happened no. very quickly. Uh, yes. And so one of the pirates managed to grab you. You're going to be uh, one arm in a headlock, and then one arm like around and underneath your shoulder. Mm. As the other pirate is going to make a a club attack against you, he's going to have advantage. Uh, that is going to be a 13 plus 2, a 15 to hit. Well, my AC is 15, so it so meets, meets beats. So let's go ahead and roll some damage there. Uh, that is going to be 6 plus 2. Uh, so you're going to take 8 bludgeoning damage oh. um, as these pirates up in the crow's nest. And two more are right behind them as well. Just start like one of them's holding you and the other one's wailing on you. Mm. 
And that brings us back to the top of the round. Karen, it is your turn. What would you like to do with your turn? This is not really a turn, but I'm imagining that Karen, who is kind of seasick, oh no. kind of unused to what's going on, and has just been hit in the stomach with a club. Oh no. Can I can I bonus action throw up on the pirate? <laughs> Tell you what, roll me a constitution saving throw. If you fail, then you can throw up. Okay. Well, and my... you can have a constitution saving throw at disadvantage because you are seasick. Mm, okay. That is hilarious and disgusting. Oh, well. <laughs> that is a two on dice, and my <laughs> save my save is a plus eight for constitution, so that's a ten. Okay. But um, that's still pretty low. That's still pretty the low. Other dice was an eighteen. Yeah, you managed to get like <laughs> before you left. You were uh, but today on the ship. You had like a bunch of croissants and like <laughs> deli meat and stuff, and it's just not sitting yeah. right. So no, you like no. vom all over this pirate, um, like in his eyes and stuff, and he's oh, gonna no. stumble back. He's he's off balance now, even though the one the other one is still holding you. You still have an yep. action if you would like to use it. Could I, I'm not sure how we would roll for this, it's probably an athletics roll, could I attempt to break the grapple by, what's what's the word, flinging him over my shoulder into the guy I've just thrown up on? Oh, hell yeah. Okay, uh, roll me an <laughs> athletics Trudeau check. Shirt. Roll me an athletics check. If you get 18 or higher, okay. you're going to throw the, the guy into the other guy, and they're going to go, because okay. oh, the crow's nest is a very small, very small yeah. area, and they're both going to go off the crow's nest. <laughs> Okay. Oh, you'll never guess. What'd you get? I rolled an 11 plus 9, 20, baby. Hell yes. Flimbar, <laughs> you're like, you know, casting magic and kind of like dodging swords. And then just two pirates just fall from above you and both just hit the deck with very solid thuds and they don't get back up or move at all. Oh, dear. <laughs> <laughs> They're proper dead. That's how it's done, Wowie. <laughs> That's done. One of them is covered in puke. <laughs> Frankie, it is your turn. There are about uh, 12 to 15 very scared people uh, below deck with you, mm -hmm. but you don't see any pirates. And a huge hole in the wall. <laughs> it's a cannonball-sized hole, right? So you could see out, um, but it wouldn't be enough to like climb out of it just yet. Mm. Frankie is going to start freeing the hostages, but... Like, Tylen would like, you know, everyone be quiet, don't make a sound. Steven, I'm looking at you. Now's not the time to be complaining. Uh, and it, he's just going to move one by one. Steven's that guy on a cruise ship who, like, nothing is quite good enough. He's yeah. like, I paid so much money and the shrimp is not even fresh. And you're like, Steven, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead and roll me a slider handshake for yourself and another one for hands. Okay. Slide of hand. Frankie's not bad at sleight of hand. I mean, he's not like Idafer, but you know. <laughs> he's still pretty good. Uh, 11 plus 6, uh, 17 for myself. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay, and then one for Hans, and his is just a plus 2. 12 for Hans. Okay, so you managed to, like running around, you managed to very quickly like free a bunch of the prisoners by quickly untying the knots. I'm going to say that you get about half of them who are now like, able-bodied and able to help you um and hans with a 14 he gets two but like one of them was steven oh no and steven was struggling a lot and hans was like please keep still uh but steven <laughs> wasn't steven wasn't having any of it steven, please. just left him tied up steven he's really not happy about his hostage experience no one is happy with the steven uh anything else you'd like to do with your turn frankie can frankie go up to I guess wherever like the door is and just have sort of a listen to sort of gauge 
like how it sounds outside. Okay, so you uh, run to the stairs, mm-hmm. and there's like a trap door that leads up onto the main deck. Uh, so you can hear a bunch of footsteps, and you can also hear Idafa being really mean to someone. Just Aww. like being like, just genuinely like bullying someone with his words. Okay. I'm, I'm actually, I'm just being a bit more of a rascal. Like I'm not being mean. I'm not okay, talking ugly. Okay, you can hear Idafa being very cheeky to someone. How's that? Thank you. That's oh. Okay. <laughs> Frankie knows Idafer is okay because he's being cheeky. He's like, oh, okay, Idafer's okay. And you can hear the clashing of swords. Most of the other stuff you can hear is like footsteps and like, you know, sh- the the sounds of people like, you know, doing the ropes and the stuff of a ship. Um, you're pretty sure that there's not a lot of combat happening up on the ship. Okay, everyone, I think we might be okay to get out of here. Steven, you're on your own. I can't help you, mate. But everyone else, follow me. Okay, uh, Flinvar, it is your turn. Uh, what would you like to do? Okay. There are two live pirates on the deck of the ship with you, uh, and two dead ones. Is there anyone else around that could see me? I just realized that he cast like a magic thing without impunity before. So is there anyone else that's like a civilian that might see me doing magic? Uh, this is a pretty chaotic scene, and yeah. a lot of like Alsh, like the going fairy has like crew and stuff who are running around. But like, imagine just like a lot of like a Pirates of the Caribbean amount of chaos sort of happening in every direction and the camera's really shaky so even if anyone could see you it would be very difficult to tell what you were doing the camera's very shaky. i like that okay. dutch angles yeah like tons of dutch angles and stuff you're, you're right puppy yeah yeah i'll cast blade ward okay uh you've not cast that cantrip before would you just give me a little rundown of what that does I can extend my hand and trace a signal of warding in the air. Until the end of your next turn, you have resistance against bludgeoning, piercing, and slashing damage dealt by a weapon attack. And then also, I'm going to get Welby to breathe on them. Nice. Okay. You do a little, like, sigil uh, in front of yourself, and your amulet glows green. Uh, You've got, like, a little green, sort of, like, semi-solid kind of force field around your skin that's protecting (laughs) you from taking any damage. And I will say that while Welby is under your hat, he also benefits from that that protection. Cool. And so did you say you're going to have Welby do Euphoria Breath? Is that right? Euphoria Breath, yep. Cool. Okay, so I have to roll (laughs) some saving throws against, I assume, the two pirates who are up and attacking you? So, one creature. Okay, which one? The one who's holding you? Yes, he will target the person uh, behind me because he'll be very protective of Flinvar and want to stop uh, what's happening. All right, so I'm going to roll a saving throw. What is the DC for Welby's Euphoria Breath? has to succeed. Uh, DC 11 Wisdom. Okay, I rolled four, and I the pirate has a plus zero, so he fails. <laughs> um, so that's a confusion Ooh. effect. So um, Welby pokes out from under your hat and breathes a little, like, sparkly, like, popping candy galaxy cloud <laughs> into this guy's face. <laughs> And he he looks really dizzy, and he's going to let you go. Yeah, cool. Okay, so for the start of that person's next turn, he has to roll a d6 at the start of its turn to determine if he can, um, what what happens. Okay, when we get to the Going Fairy uh, located pirates, of which there are not many left, uh, mm-hmm. you just have to remind me of that, okay? Cool. Next up is going to be Idafa. All right, so I have missed the pirate lord, which was embarrassing. Um, but no one saw because there's too much chaos. Yeah, and all the Dutch angles. <laughs> exactly, all the Dutch angles. And then he missed attack on me. So really, we both look a little bit silly. Like we're kind of just dancing with each other. Well, you're, I, I want to say you're parrying <laughs> each other's sword attack. So you're not just like swinging like, swords and just completely missing <laughs> each other. You're like engaged in sword defensive sword play with one another. Oh, yes, defensive sword play. All right. Oh, and 
this time I am gonna do the exact same thing and just hope that it actually works this time. So Ooh. roll me an attack roll with advantage uh, for your comments backup. Thank you. And man, I roll the same number on both dice, so it's not even useful. But oh, and I did roll a fifteen though. So I got uh, 23 in total, which I'm hoping is actually a hit. That is going to be a hit. Yeah, you managed to do some fancy footwork, although you don't move anywhere. You managed to like sort of throw his prediction off and you're going to get a really nice like slash attack across his shoulder of his sword arm. Go ahead and roll me your damage and you can have sneak attack because you used a steady aim. Hell yeah. All right, God, I actually need to get more D6s. At this point, I barely have enough because I have so many for sneak attack. Oh no, oh, what a no. problem. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's go. So I'll roll my D8 for my commands back up, and that is a four. Nice. Now I have uh, five D6s for sneak attack, so that's nice. I think it's still five. Yeah, okay. And that comes to, so that is uh, 21 damage in Title. Yeah, you take a really good shot at him. You slice his shoulder open, and the little like you know shoulder cloak thing that he's wearing just kind of falls off him because you know it's pirate wear. It's not great quality. And yeah, he's gonna take that hit, and he falls down to one knee, kind of like grimacing a little bit. Anything else you'd like to do with your turn? Um, sorry, there was also a plus three damage from Command's backup, so twenty-four in total. Just twenty-four in total. Okay, thanks yeah. very much. Uh, he goes down to one knee, but like slightly harder than he did uh, the first time I narrated that. Is he like, like he's fallen, so he's kind of leaning back on his elbow sort of thing? Yeah, yeah, totally. Okay, so I'm going to point my rapier right under his chin, like lifting his head up, and I'm like, Ooh. do you yield? Oh, my God. Oh. Roll me an intimidation check. Oh, no. I'm <laughs> be like, do you, do you yield? <laughs> I just for a voice break. Oh, do I get advantage or not? Nah? Yeah, you can have advantage. You just, you just beat him in <laughs> swordplay. Oh, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> I got seven. You got, you got a seven. Oh, someone's voice just broke. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Who yields? Do you yield? <laughs> Radio, uh, next up is going to be the pirates that are on the deck with Flynn. Ooh. So I'm going to roll a D6 for the one who's confused. Yep. That's a six. What does a six mean? Between five and six. The target doesn't move, and the only thing it can do on its turn is make another. DC with some saving throw, ending the effect on it if it is successful. You just get another chance to reroll. He rolled a natural one. (laughs) Yeah, so he just kind of stands there like wobbly, kind of like swaying. He kind of looks like your classic drunk pirate. And maybe he is drunk, but that's not really the reason that he's doing that. (laughs) The remaining pirate, he saw Welby come out from under your hat and he now has dollar signs for eyes. Uh, He's going to attempt to to, uh, take Welby from you. So he is going to make a sleight of hand check to see if he can grab Welby. That is a 19. Uh, so he is going to basically brush your hat and he grabs Welby in his hand and holds him uh, real tight. But he's the only guy that you've got left to deal with. He's now holding on to Welby. <laughs> the Pirate Lord's turn. He smiles at you, Idafa, and he says, Sure. I yield. Uh, and then from out from underneath his cloak, he's going to pull a uh, hand crossbow and he's oh. going to try and shoot you point blank with it. Jesus oh. Christ. Pirates. That is a 13 plus 4, 17 to hit. <laughs> yeah, he does hit me. <laughs> oh. 
<laughs> that is going to be 1d6 and a d8 as well, because it's a magic crossbow. Oh, that bastard. So you're going to take uh, four piercing damage and seven fire damage. Ooh. But I will use uncanny dodge, so I half it. Yeah, so you half it twice because you're also resistant to fire damage. So oh, yeah, that yeah. fire damage is going down to three and then oh, down geez. again to one. So uh, let's, yeah. let's say two piercing damage and one fire damage. Okay, yes. <laughs> I thought. But yeah, I'm just like, oh, oh, oh. okay. <laughs> I'm like not like barely phased by it. And then last up is going to be the two guys that are on the rigging on their way up to the crow's nest. Um, they didn't quite make it last turn, but this time they make it up uh, to the crow's nest and they're both going to take um, sword attacks, cutlass attacks against Karen. Um, and they're both going to have advantage. So the first one, Karen, that's a eight plus four, sorry, eight plus three, 11. Uh, nope. <laughs> you uh, unsteadily sway out of the way and luckily dodge. Uh, the second one is going to be 14 plus 3, 17. Yeah, I dodge right into that one. Yeah. So you are going to take uh, four slashing damage uh, from that pirate cutlass. Ooh. And both of them are with you in the crow's nest. They're both with me in the crow's nest. Okay. The prisoners, now that half of them have... Uh, free hands are now going to take a turn and they are going to untie each other. So now, uh, Frankie, all of the prisoners uh, beneath deck with you are now all untied. Okay. And everyone's sort of shunning Steve a little bit. Yes. <laughs> Last up is going to be Moshi, who is going to bust out of the trap door from below deck. Look around. Uh, Flinny's going to uh, smile a dashing smile at you. Oh! And he like kind of clicks out his sword and then clicks it back in. And he's like, uh, to you, Flynn, he's going to say, help me get everyone off the pirate ship. And then I can end this. Uh, Flynn, Var, roll me a history check. Oh my gosh. Okay. 13. Uh, you've seen this man with your own eyes cut a jail in half. Uh, so oh. chances are he's probably, he's probably telling the truth. So Flynn immediately yells out, the ship's damaged. It's going down. Get off, get off, get off. Get off to the other ship. I want you to roll me a context to check so we so you didn't accidentally <laughs> tell everyone to abandon the ship that we're on. Oh, oh that's true. We we do not want to get off the going ferry. Oh, that was the... We want them to get off the pirate ship. Um, so yeah, I rolled a right. 15 on the dice, but what, what's the context? Use, pers use just... persuasion. Oh, okay, cool. I was like, I'm, just, I... I'm just teasing you because you said everyone get off the ship and oh, you're standing shoot. on okay. a ship. <laughs> it's all right. Roll me a persuasion check. I'm just teasing you. 27. Okay. Yeah, yeah I'm fine. <laughs> I want to break initiative right now. Uh, I want everyone to give me a little rundown of how they would spend the next 30 seconds. Flynn's going to reverse sleight of hand Welby out of the guy's hands. Yeah, Welby bites the guy's fingers to make that a little bit easier. Yeah. Good. And then okay. I'm going to move away from him to safety. Flynn is going to cast Wall of Force across the two ships to help his teammates uh, get to safety. Okay, uh, and I'm going to say because of the because of the like movement of the ships and the way that the water is splashing, there is a little bit of evidence of the uh, of the invisible bridge being there because of the way that the water uh, hits it. Yep, cool. Okay, Flynn's going to um, curve it like a so it's not a flat um, wall like on its side. It's got yep. curved a little bit, so it's kind of hugging the side of the ship so when they rock it kind of rocks with it you know in your bath and you've got those floating wine glass things it does that. yeah of course yeah nice for my fancy baths <laughs> oh. karen has felt disconnected to her rage for a little while now because it was it was it was a scary thing when she was in the other universe 
and she's been seasick, so she hasn't felt angry, she's just felt unwell. But now she's thrown up, she feels a lot better. And Karen would like to rage. Yeah, absolutely. She would like to grab one of the pirates in the crow's nest with her, and she would like to throw him off the crow's nest, aiming for the captain. Okay, so I'm going to imagine you grab this guy just by the throat and then just by, like, the by the groin and hold him above your head and just, like, hit him like he's a big log. Yeah. <laughs> um, Rush, is that what they call? Okay, this is a very, very difficult check because of how far you would be throwing this man, but it is possible because you're using your magical <laughs> rage. So go ahead and roll me an athletics check. You would be aiming for a 23 or higher. Ooh, ooh. Okay. With advantage because you're raging. Okay. Let's go. That is, oh my god, that is a 19 plus 9. Yeah, very good. Idafa, you uh, have a little crossbow bolt like in your shoulder, but it doesn't hurt you very much. Uh, And you're like thinking about how you want to execute this guy. And then he just gets squished by a flying pirate. Both of them just collide with each other and uh, they they become pirate soup together. As this happens in front of me, I turn back and see Karen. Like I see that this came from Karen. Like Idafa turns his head to Karen, who clearly threw it, and he's like, "Karen, that was my kill." <laughs> Karen points at him and says, "This is no time for theatrics. Go and get Frankie." And Ido just like stamps his foot in his little tantrum. He's like, "Whatever," and he goes <laughs> to find wherever Frankie is. Before we leave you, Karen, you've still got one more pirate uh, up on the ship with you. What do you do with that guy? I punch him with the ring of the ram. Ooh. Give him a kiss. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, you like connect with his chin and he just like, you uppercut him and because of the ring of the ram, he just goes 20 feet <laughs> up into the air and arcs slowly oh, across into the ocean. Nice. Yeah. We need to punch <laughs> you've got about 30 seconds. What are you doing with your time? Just wondering, did when um, Karen threw that guy onto the Pirate Lord, did they smash through the floor? I would say that much weight. They would probably not smash through the floor because they're not cannonballs, um, right. but they would have made a big dent. Okay. Did I see where Frankie got taken? Like, do I yes, actually absolutely. know Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, okay, sweet. So in that case, I'm just going to go straight to the trap door that he is behind. Uh, yeah, you open it up, and he's and he's right there. Yeah. yeah. So Frankie's on the other side, like you know, having a listen, out, having like a like he like breathing. He's pulled out his like um, crossbow, and he was ready to like jump out and just spray the area, you know. <laughs> and the two of you share a look for just a moment before all the hostages behind you, Frankie, start like piling out of the trap door and like out onto the ship where these all these other pirate crew members around. But both of you roll me a perception check. Okay. Uh, I think you can have advantage. Okay. Cool, I don't get disadvantage. <laughs> um, well, I don't got 27. Oh, okay, that's great. That's quite high. Uh, nice, nice. Frankie nice, got nice. Uh, 17. Uh, yeah, both of you can see the uh, Wall of Force bridge that Flynn has created that would take you from the deck of the pirate ship over to the going ferry. Awesome. I, Frankie is down a level from me, right? Like there's steps up to the trapdoor. He was listening at the trapdoor, so he's like right at the top of those stairs. And when you pulled the trapdoor open, he's basically on the same level he's as you. He's got his little face. But I can still like put my hand out to reach him up, right? 100%. Yeah, I'm doing that. And I'm just like, let's go. Frankie's like, yep. Hero like. When your hands uh, touch each other, there's a spark of something. 
uh, that I'm sure we'll get into a little bit more later. And uh, all of you, uh, the two of you lead all of the hostages back over towards the going ferry. Uh, as the pirates try to stop you, but the two of you manage to use your weapons and your magic together to sort of deflect them and let all the dozen or so uh, hostages back over towards the uh, the ship that they want to be on. Hell mm. yeah. Nice. God, we're amazing. Once everyone's back onto the main ship, Moshi steps forward uh, and he draws his sword and around it you can see these little swirls of wind uh, that then <laughs> absorb themselves into the sword. Ancient sword, cut down my enemies. Wind blade, and he just slices from up to down, and a slice of air just completely just cuts the pirate ship that you were just on in half, and it splits Titanic-like, and begins to sink uh, as he sheaths his sword and turns back to you and gives you a smile and says, wasn't that kind of fun? Oh, well, oh, well, okay. I'm like, bent over, just like... (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that was fun, Moshi. That was a great sword, friend. I think I'm going to throw up again. Karen just kind of lies down in the crow's nest. <laughs> Hello, Penny here. Welcome back. My apologies for the delay in posting, but we're full steam ahead all the way to the end. Thank you very much to our patrons for supporting the show. James Courtright, Sam Sara, Claire McDonald, Jules Bergeser, Violet, Alex Moore, Lyndon Hood, Jesse Wesson, Disturbed1NZ, Andrew Evans, Lunacris, Steffi James is awesome, and Danielle, the tea lady, lady of the tea. Your support has been so valuable in making this a sustainable project for us, and I honestly can't thank you enough for your support. I offer you each one friendship token, which can be redeemed for one ream of parchment at Janice and Brefford's locations nationwide. See, these are just the kinds of rewards that you don't get on other podcasts. Music credits, thanks to Jeremy Blake for Abroad Again, Quincis Moriera for Don't Fret, Mini Vandals for Fazzo, Nico Staff for Friendly Dance, King Canyon for Mulholland, Esther Abrami for Number Two Remembering Her, Track Tribe for Pioneers, Telecasted for Seasons, Half Dot Cool for Sharp Edges, Ryan McCaffrey for Speak the Truth, Off Shane for Sunset and Beaches, and God Mode for To Pass Time. Y'all, it's March 2024, and I'm so excited to tell you that one of my other passion projects, the Yes and Charity Stream, is making a return in 2024. The Yes and Charity Stream is a 24-hour Dungeons & Dragons live stream run by a creative team of volunteers, including myself, who have banded together to raise money for charity for the last three years. I'm both the show director and one of the hosts, and I'm excited to tell you that we are back on this August, and we're looking for volunteers right now. We need not just great performers to play the game and GMs to run the adventure, but we also need a solid backstage team. People who want to get involved behind the scenes. We provide all the training you'll need, so if you're a video editor, a Twitch stream moderator, a VTT expert, or a pro cat wrangler, now is your time to shine. Join a fun community project that raises big money for amazing causes, meet passionate Kiwi RPG folks, and be part of something life-changing for the people who receive our donation. Every year, we have great fun and an even greater experience being involved in an RPG nationwide project dedicated to helping others. We know that having a stunning cast and an epic support crew is vital to a great 24-hour live stream, and we would love it if you, yes, you, our community, someone listening to this podcast right now, put your name forward to join the team this year. 
All you need to do is email yesandcharitystream at gmail.com and tell us all about why you want to be involved and what skill set you bring with you. It's that easy. We can't wait for all the planning ahead this year. Keep an ear out for more updates on how else you can support the Yes And Charity Stream, even if it's by being an audience member or donating on the day. Thanks for listening. I will see you there. All right, back to the show. A few hours later, uh, the Going Ferry ports at Black Moon Bay. It's now midday. It's it's beautiful here. The the sand is like a like a black sand. Uh, at the back of the beach, there's a sheer cliff that just goes straight up towards, I guess, what must be the plains above. And there's just a little spot for ship support there. And there are a few Goliaths uh, waiting to help everybody disembark. And you are approached by a rather jolly uh, male Goliath uh, with a goatee. Who walks up to the uh, walks up to you? He's got the Janice and Breffitt's logo on his little vest that he's wearing, and he walks up to you and he says, "Greetings, my name is Fort Worth, and I'm so happy that the that the central location has sent professionals to help." <laughs> Lovely to meet you. Uh, we've heard all about you. Uh, which one of you is in charge of this uh, of this away team? That that would be me. Yes, hello. Very nice to meet you. He shakes your hand very enthusiastically, but because he's like <laughs> real big, he's like shaking your whole arm. <laughs> I'm like, um, my name is Idafa. Uh, this here is Frankie, uh, Karen, and Flynn. How do you do? Oh, well, very lovely to meet you. My name is Fort Worth, and I'm going to take you south from here to the town of Goliath. And from there, we can get started with your task. Wonderful. We will just um, unpack our things and we'll meet you on the dock shortly. Yeah, absolutely. You you guys go back and get your luggages and things. Uh, and you notice that Moshi didn't have anything with him. Like He literally didn't have a bag or anything, just his sword and his uh, kimono and his casa hat. And he smiles to you and he waves uh, sincerely as he gives you a big smile. And he says, uh, this is where we part ways, my friends. Uh, and he literally just walks across the beach towards the cliff and just begins climbing the cliff uh, so that he can get to the top and travel west. Wow, he really is an interesting man, but it was nice seeing him. Anyway, uh, let, let's get going, shall we? It'll be lovely to get off this boat. And Karen moves so fast, so fast away <laughs> from this ferry. She's, she's gone. Karen, can I ask which totems you're currently uh, you're currently using? Mm, let me check. I think that because you've had multiple long rests, so you can just pick the ones that you want. Yeah, I think so too. I think I'll be using third level bear, the resistance to everything. Okay. Except for psychic, and I think I will be using the sixth level eagle. I haven't used this one before. You gain the eyesight of an eagle. You can see up to one mile away with no difficulty, able to discern even fine details as though looking at something no more than 100 feet away from you. Additionally, dim light doesn't, dis doesn't pose disadvantage on your wisdom perception checks. I believe that Karen would have taken this in order to look out for villains on the high seas, but was doubled over when the pirate showed up so she didn't see anything so you could see your knees in the ground by your feet like really well really well really well yeah <laughs> fort worth who's the goliath who's been sent to help you packs your stuff into a uh, into a cart drawn by camels 
uh, and quite a lot of camels uh, and it appears to rather than be using wheels it appears to be using sled tracks so that they can travel uh, easily along the sand so you travel south uh, along the beach and it's really nice here like it's really warm the 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 sea air like now that you're not on the ship anymore is nice and fresh and eventually after a few hours of travel after two hours of travel along this beach you end up uh, at the bottom of Black Moon Bay, uh, you come across the small town of Goliath. There's a couple of uh, things about this town uh, that are very noticeable. The first thing is that uh, a lot of the buildings are really, really large, and the, a lot of them are like log cabins. And the second, and probably the most interesting thing about the town, is it stands right on the edge of an enormous miles-wide crater that appears to be hunked out of the ground by some kind of impact. I've heard about this. There's mining crews that go down into the crater every so often to look for rare metals. They, they're they said to be from beyond the stars. Oh, that's right. Uh, and he points across the crater um, where you could see another small settlement uh, a few miles away. Uh, he points over to it there and he says, uh, yes, the miners live on that side. That's New Stala. Uh, once oh. upon a time, both Goliath and New Stala were one town called Stala before it was destroyed <gasps> by a meteor about 160 years ago. So everything here is is fairly new. Well, fantastic. I'm looking forward to seeing your town. Uh, roll me, everyone. Roll me a history check. Okay. By the way, I'm glad oh. that that was right because I looked at the I, I I was I was like a crater, and then I looked at something that said New Starler, and I was like, I think I know why this is. <laughs> I think I know what this is about. <laughs> Ida rolled a net twenty. Sam got a twenty-four. Frankie got a twenty-seven. Karen rolled a six, so that's the extent of her knowledge about this place. <laughs> Everyone except Karen, you remember uh, a while back. Uh, you were shown a vision by your amulets. Oh. Uh, when you were leaving Ymir City to go to Titan Slumber, you remember seeing a vision of Usaia Jet fighting a god while your points of view were fleeing as hard as you could, and what was coming from the sky was an enormous flaming meteor. Oh. The ties are tying together. It's coming together. Yes, yeah, so arrive and you disembark and you're like uh Idafer, you travel with fort worth because you're in charge <laughs> and the rest of you notice that a lot of the goliaths um appear to be like sitting around like they're moping they're just like hanging out and fort worth tells you that they're all the goliaths are bored and unable to work the lumberjacks they can't cut down any more trees um because when they cross a certain threshold they immediately immolate in a foul smelling dark red flame yeah. Uh, and their their prototype machinery is not working as it needs a pilot, and the last one died when this happened. Oh, oh my gosh, that's terrible. Oh, this seems like it's going to be a convoluted problem. And where is this invisible immolation line? Fort Worth tells you that that's why you're here. They're going to pack you into a cart and take you there, um, and your job is going to be to deal with that so that they continue they can continue with their work because. Uh, as Idafa, as you know from the folder that was handed to you, production of parchment is like shut down at this point because there's no more wood uh, coming in from here because this is where all of the all of the logs and stuff get shipped to Janice and Brevard's parchment company uh, from here. Okay, metrics. Mm, that makes sense. Your KPIs are going out the window. <laughs> <laughs> uh, before we go any further, 
Frankie, you see into like a large shed and you can see like a big uh, metal contraption that you realize is some kind of some kind of like heavy lifting machine that the uh, Goliaths mentioned had was was broken. Would you like to check that out? Yes, Frankie would. Cool. Rummy and Arcana check. Arcana. Oh yeah, that's not so bad either. You're good at those. Uh, I'm, I'm good at this. 18 plus 9, 27. Mm. This is real basic tech for you. You've been working in the factory for a long time. This is really similar level of technology to the machines that work in the Janice and Breffitt's Parchment Company production factory. Yeah. It's basically just like a big mechanical device that Goliath can sit in and essentially knock over trees just by driving up to them and sort of putting enough pressure on them that they just fall over. <laughs> and there's there's a lot of like what looks like charred skin in the in the chair where the goliath sit but you think that if you had an hour you might be able to rig this thing up that it might even be able to work without a pilot yeah so frankie will just sort of explain you know if we have some time to spare uh i could probably get this up and running again and maybe do some very minor improvements uh such as you know not having a physical living being having to pilot this. Fort Worth thanks you, and a lot of the Goliaths look uh, pleased. They look really happy at this idea that maybe their machinery can work without them having to risk their lives to to sit in it. Flynnvar, you especially, you're really close with Cassie. You did not realize that she's quite small for a Goliath when you're seeing all these, like, huge hulking lumberjacks hanging around and like cassie's actually like not that tall for a goliath these guys are like some of them are like 10 12 times as tall as you oh my gosh okay no wonder when we first met her she was quite shy and retiring (laughs) growing up among all of these people must have been oh my gosh yes (laughs) frankie you spend a little bit of time working in this machine like rigging it up and eventually you're able to hand not a remote because it requires like a cable but it's essentially like a 50 like someone could operate the machine while standing 50 or more uh feet away from it and just with a few basic operation tools of like you know forwards back stop you reckon that should you not be able to deal with the line this is at least an alternate solution for the time being yes cool the goliaths thank you uh and many of them offer you handshakes and hugs <laughs> just go ahead and just roll me like 3d8 bludgeoning damage from all oh of the, the very enthusiastic thanks that you receive from your work on this machine 3d8 oh. <laughs> four eight uh 12 yeah you come out of the the shed where this machine was uh definitely a lot more sore than when you went in but also like you've got a bit of a smile on your face because this wasn't combat this was hugs handshakes very too heavy pats on the back (laughs) someone ruffled your hair and uh you don't know if it'll ever be unruffled after that yeah 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 that's fair that's how frankie's feeling but you know he's feeling good because he did something good yeah in the meantime, the rest of you would have spent a little bit of time just hanging around in Goliath. You see that it is, a, it is a quite little town. A lot of the Goliaths live in, you know, large tribal families. They, you know, they, they're not separated into their own homes. Uh, they live quite happily together. And there's a lot of, like, there's a lot of couples here. But basically everyone's job here is lumberjack. Like, they're all 
here to chop down trees, transport them, get them to the, uh, from here they go to the port that you landed at on Black Moon Bay and from here they get shipped to Galaport where they eventually get taken to the Janice and Bradford's Parchment Company where you would all turn them into paper. Oh, hey, oh. And you take a little bit of time and you make friends with these people, with these Goliaths. They're very nice. All of them are really happy to see you and a lot of them are kind of in awe at the the things that you have to say because of your expertise is just so much different to what they do here. And they're all really grateful and all of them are very amused by your stories. And just for a moment, it's just nice to just chill and hang out and chat with some like really true nice people because often in Yumiya City, people have agendas and it's just a seem to be the case here mm. pretty wholesome yeah i love it karen thinks about how maybe this would be a nice place to have a a, a beach house <laughs> maybe she'll bring this up with barry when she gets back yeah absolutely <laughs> new sala is probably where you would have that kind of thing because this is more of like a work site uh, where people live rather than like a place where you would travel on holiday um, but over in new Stala, just over the other side of the crater the, that would definitely be an option Karen hasn't really thought much about the post before, but it seems to make people happy. So after the hour <laughs> that, uh, Frankie, you spend working on the machinery, all pile into a cart. This time um, it's pulled by horses. Um, it's a very big cart because, it's again, it's four Goliaths and, you know, big Clydesdales. And there's like more of them than you would normally expect because they usually have to carry a bit more weight. But you travel uh, out of Goliath and up a small hill to the point that you could finally see the land at the tops of the cliff. And for the first time, you realize that the rolling hills uh, above you at the top of this cliff are littered as far as the eye can see with dead trees and tree stumps and a land that is entirely raised of life. Hmm. It's only in this moment. Did any of you take a moment to realize that in order for you to produce as much paper as you do, the amount of trees that you would need to cut down and destroy and deliver is endless. You can see miles from here and every across all of these rolling hills, there's like paths that have been carved out by the Goliaths, but it's just dead. And it kind of fills you with a little bit of horror for a minute as this is like the first time that you've really considered the impact that this would have oh man this episode was brought to you by the <laughs> lorax <laughs> this episode was brought to you by climate change don't do it kids are we gonna get like a hot onesler <laughs> no yes don't bring that no energy here in JBPC. Don't like fire soundtrack <laughs> Um, so Flynn wants to speak a little bit to the Goliaths that are with Fort Worth is still with you. What do you want to talk to him about? So he's just kind of casually asking, um, building off what we were told about the history of the, the place that we know. And also he kind of, Flynn says out loud for Karen, who didn't remember, when the kind of the dead growth and the smells and all the, the creepy stuff kind of started happening. Fort Worth tells you that uh, the Goliaths, they need the work. Like, they, they can't afford to stop working. And since there's no magic, they can't regrow the forest quickly like they would have once considered doing. They tend to be people who live with the land, uh, but they're just not able to. They need the work to survive uh, because they need to buy food and they need to take care of themselves. And they just don't have any way of, of replacing what they take because there's no magic. 
Do they have like street lamps? No, nah, not here. It's very, Damn. um, it's very like, what's that lumberjack? What's that lumberjack guy? <laughs> Paul, what? Paul um, Bunyan? What? Oh yeah. yeah. What? It's yeah. very like, it's very like Paul Bunyan, like out in the wilderness. There's no, there's, there's not a lot here. Like when it gets dark in Goliath, they have like a big central sort of bonfire, but they can't run it at the moment because they don't have the spare wood. So when it gets dark, they just go to sleep. Well, I'll just do like firebolt, but I won't shoot. I'll just like keep it in my hand sort of thing to be like, yeah, look, I can do it. Okay, what are you trying to prove um, by showing him that you can use magic? Oh, as more to please Karen and be like, well, yeah, I can still do magic here. Are you trying to show Fort Worth specifically, or are you just checking that it no, works? It's more of a check, right, Karen? Like that's what you. Yeah, Karen. Karen wants to check that our magic still works here in a place that Fort Worth said was no magic. What you gather from this test is, yeah, your magic's still working fine. So you can gather that maybe the Goliaths just don't have access to the electrum that it would take to, you know, regrow this forest. Mm. Interesting. A business opportunity to be made there if we don't don't sort it out. Karen files that one away for her sister. Yeah. Oh my god. Flynn was was also way ahead. He was like, ooh. So based off that, can we assume that the forest is potentially on a font or something and the font has lost its magic? Oh, good question. Well, maybe. Because, like, if it's... If we can still use Electrum, then it's clearly not like a... Like an, an anti-magic, anti-magic thing. No, yeah, it's no, not yeah. a magic dead zone. It's just most people need Electrum to cast magic in the... You know, once upon a time, there would have been druids here regrowing this forest, but they just can't do it. Maybe they should get better. Maybe they should get better. Yeah. Well, you know, there is a business opportunity to be made here between the dwarves and the goliaths of the north. So um, Karen's just going to file that one away nice and easy for the future. And also maybe um, an opportunity for a druid that we know to do some teaching. Uh, Oh, my God. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) Um, Okay. Oh, that's that's God, Idafis. I think specialty would be the magic of nature and growing plants. Yeah. I mean, I was I was talking about mole, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, that makes more rude. sense. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone, tell me your passive perception scores. Eleven. Fifteen for Frankie, but passive investigation is real high. But no one ever uses that. I just wanted to point that out. Okay, yeah, I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll find a reason to use it before we get to the end of the arc, okay? Thank you, appreciate that. <laughs> 16. I'm actually 20 then. You're 20? You are traveling, and it feels a bit like a screensaver, right? Like you're traveling, and out the window of this cart is just rolling hills with just tree stumps and, you know, uprooted trees tipped over. Aww. And it just, it's just endless. It's just over and over as far as the eye can see. And you're just, you know, taking the time, you're chatting with Fort Worth, you know, some of you are making googly eyes at each other, and Flinvar, you happen to catch out the window on the path ahead of you, you can see a silhouette lit by the sun, waiting on the path, it's facing towards you and just standing there patiently, except it's not standing, it's hovering a few feet off the ground. What what's the silhouette? Can I can I make out who it is, or is it just a, a bigger yeah, silhouette? Roll me a perception check. Okay, uh, unnatural twenty. Waiting, you know, ahead. He's probably five minutes away, just hovering a few feet off the ground, waiting patiently for your cart to arrive. You can see Master Speck. <gasps> um, 
And he's just hovering there in front yeah. of the Goliaths and stuff. You know how he does. Just hovering. He's a few minutes ahead. At the moment, your cart's yeah. just traveling at horse pace. He's just, you know, he never touches the ground. And he's just got his uh, hands behind his back. He just seems to be patiently waiting. This gets weirder and weirder. And he's like, Psst, guys, uh, look ahead. Am I the only one that can see there's a floating, a floating master speck? Karen's eyes of the eagle zoom in on Master Speck <laughs> now that she now that she's become aware of, of him. What's his kind of like expression? What's his face looking like? <laughs> it looks calm. It's kind of smiling a little bit. Uh, he's clearly like in a relaxed state right now. We can't get away from the bugger. And he's ho- he's he's hovering in midair. Yeah, he's always hovering. Every time you've seen him, that he's not like seated. Okay. He, his feet never touch the ground. Oh, okay, so he's just like just above the ground, as opposed to like you know twenty feet up. Yeah, no, no, yeah, no exactly. He's just like okay. a, he's like okay. two feet, three feet off the ground. Mm. But that's how you've seen him. I- Any time you've ever seen him, including in the um, the Wish Scroll timeline, um, he never touches the ground with his feet. He's always kind of yeah up in the air a little bit. Levitating. Mm. Karen zeroes in on him and goes, Oh, great. Can't believe we have to deal with this joker again. <laughs> Idafer. Yeah. You remember the other timeline. You you don't have much of a relationship with Master Speck at this timeline, but you got to know him pretty well in the Wish Scroll timeline and you can remember all of that. Oh yeah. Oh yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um also just to confirm, Master Speck is the one that told Karen to fire me, right? That's right. Yeah, uh, that's right. Actually, he blackmailed Karen into firing you. <laughs> yeah. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to get them to stop the cart, um, and I'll walk out and I'll walk up to it. Wait, how far away from him? Let's let's say you know because you were still traveling while you were having this conversation. Uh, by the time you stop, you're maybe sixty feet uh, ahead, and he's just waiting in the center of the path uh, for you to arrive at him. So wait. All right. Well, yeah. I get out of. I get off the car- carriage. Call it carriage. Yeah. And I'm like, oi, what, I, I, job, me no job, why, rude, I, I'm really quite nervous, I don't, like, I don't really, I'm just saying words that have something to do with the situation. <laughs> he just gestures you to approach, he, like, one of his hands come out from behind his back, and he just, uh, with two fingers, just casually asks you to come closer. Do you want us to come with you, Ida? No, nah, it's fine. You guys just stay back there. Okay. And Ida, Ida saunders up to Master Speck and he's like, yes, what? He smiles at you and he says, um, hello, Idafer. I was wondering if I could trouble you for a ride. I'm also going to the forest and I know the locals there. You can literally float. Why do you need a ride? Let's say the company. As long as you're not weird. You have my word. Good. All right. Come on then. You probably don't want to sit next to Karen. She's very <laughs> pissed off with you. I'm sure I have no idea why. <laughs> All right, yeah, I, I lead him back. Uh, and Master Speck levitates back towards the cart with you. How does the party react when he, you know, tries to climb in and sit down? I don't know. Liver just shakes his head and crosses his arm. He's like, not again. At least, at least he's not naked. <laughs> it's like, just trust me. Well, he has an awful cheek showing his face around us again. But I do trust you, Idafer. I trust you, Idafer, but not him. Exactly. He does not speak to you, Karen. He simply smirks at you before sitting. The, the, the cart has, like, a seat that faces forwards, and then you, like, a seat that faces, 
like across the front facing backwards and he hovers in and takes the seat directly across from where you're sitting and then crosses his yeah crosses his legs and lightly puts his hand uh he puts his chin onto his hand and just smiles and looks out the window uh as the cart continues on i'd have switched with me it's probably best that i keep you further away from him he's right opposite me being next to him probably isn't better <laughs> hey, right and karen also dogs and stares out stares out at the scenery <laughs> <laughs> It appears they have gone. Hello friends, Moshi here. I am here to tell you this. There is no pirate ship on the great sea that you cannot cut in half Titanic style. All you need to do is believe in yourself. Yes, and for some like me, you need a magic sword, but this is not a crucial ingredient. Get out there and sink those ships.